0: Here's a very easy place to begin any sermon with any audience. We are to love God and love each other. Now, we could go home just with that. Love is recognized by each of us as essential to our relationship with God. I spoke not long ago on a Sunday morning about God's love for us. That subject never gets old, didn't take anyone by surprise. I hope it refreshed our awareness of his love for us supremely expressed on the cross. Love is just a permanent fixture in all that we do in response to God, following Christ, reacting to people and events, keeping our minds disciplined, and guiding our families and children in the right direction. 1 Corinthians sixteen fourteen says it very well with a few words, Let all that you do be done in love. Again, having read that, we could go home. But there is a very important place I want to take us tonight, I have prepared for tonight three questions about our love. Who or what do we love? How do we define it? How is it expressed? So the foundational truth that love is essential is going to be assumed in everything I'm going to present tonight. I just have three questions about our love and then we can go home with those answers. Question number one, who or what do we love? In our age of social media and websites and neat little graphics with quotations on them, you may encounter something sort of like this. What you need is more love in your life. Well, that's one of those sweeping sentimental statements that nobody seems to ever take issue with, but it begs specification. Love for who? Love for what? I'll tell you, the Bible doesn't treat love as a sweeping, generic, sentimental feeling that has no definition to it. The Bible doesn't recommend love just of any sort, in any direction, that expresses itself any way you want to express it in the moment. No. I'm going to take us to a place in the New Testament for some clarity about this in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. This is what God wanted Paul to write to Timothy for the young evangelist to understand and be ready to teach others and in some cases react to misconceptions. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But understand this, That in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Now, all through that you heard the word love. In fact, you heard the word love in various forms several times in 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. Now, you can start with that passage here. There are three kinds of lovers in this passage who exhibit a love that is damaging. I used to preach a sermon called Three Condemned Lovers and I would announce the topic beforehand, and everybody thought they knew what I was going to talk about. I went to this text in 2 Timothy 3, and I identified the three condemned lovers. Lovers of self, lovers of money, and lovers of pleasure. Now, before going any further with the passage, God, through Paul to Timothy, is telling us that no evaluation or judgment about love can be made without context. Who or what do we love? That's important. Then I want you to look further in verse 3 and there's more clarification. After identifying the three condemned lovers, self, money, and pleasure. There is this phrase, not loving good. Here is an absence of love that has real simplicity about it. Paul wants Timothy to understand and he wants us to understand there are people who love themselves, love their money, and love pleasure. And then here's what he says about that. That's not good. Not loving good embedded in this passage about times of difficulty Timothy could anticipate that we live in the core problem is identified not loving good this is love in a context that's damaging verse 4 lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God so in one passage one thing is discovered with great clarity from God. Love by itself isn't necessarily valuable. Who is loved? What is loved? Let me show you another place where you get this clarity in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. John is a New Testament writer who speaks... Are rights frequently of love, but John never gives love a sweeping commendation without context. John never says, well, folks, love is good. Whatever you want to do with that, go ahead. Love is good. John never even hints or implies at such a broad sweeping commendation of love without context. Here's what he says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides Forever. 1 John 2 15 through 17. Would you look with me, please, at the first three words? Do not love. Love is not recommended in this context. In fact, it is absolutely forbidden. This is a prohibition. When you read and study the Bible and you see the words do not, you call that a prohibition. Don't do this. Don't go there. Don't have this attitude. Love is not recommended in 1 John 2.15. It is forbidden when directed to this world and the things of this world. Then where, John, do I direct my love? You can turn one or two pages and see John say in 1 John 5 and verse 2, Love God and keep His commandments. So there is a category or a context where love is forbidden. And then in 1 John 5 and verse 2, there's a category or context where love is absolutely required of us. And its expression, love God and keep His commandments. So... Here is a question that Scripture endorses. Who or what do we love? Before we ramp up our excitement about some sort of general, universal sentiment called love, who or what do we love? Love is not commended without qualification and direction. Love God love one another love the word love your neighbor it should be easy for us to say these things and do you hear what we're saying we're saying something that has specification to it from god to say to ourselves and to others i love god i love christ the word i love my neighbors i love my brethren these should be the objects of love that we live by day after day and year after year There is no sweeping, unqualified endorsement of love in the Bible that would be personally defined by desire and attachment to the world. There is nothing like just love. As so many song lyrics announced in the 60s. Just love, no matter who or what. Not in the Bible. There is context. There's specification from God regarding who or what we love. Number two, how do we define love? How do we define love? And it may well be you know exactly where we are headed with this. How? love is defined. As I've already stated in modern usage the word love is very generic. It is generally applied. If you're talking about your parents or a cheeseburger use the same word. People just say that everything everything is good and we ought to love everything all the foolish talk we hear about gender and sexual identity that's a sweeping recommendation of love as it is defined by lust or by individual desire love in any direction in our society is recommended according to any self-interest that you want to have any passion widely accepted the message in the current trending culture is love anyone anyway anytime do as you wish ignore truth and call it love christians can't do that we can't think that way nor can we silently endorse that trend love in god's word means something it is well defined we have good solid guidance about what love is in the word of god i hope in our understanding about love and our conversations and our conduct we never get away from this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. The context is, Paul is responding to chaos in a local church. They were a mess. They were divided, disorderly, destructive. Even in their use of gifts, God imparted to them back in that era. Even in what they called the Lord's Supper, they were guilty of boasting and pride and disorder. Paul says they were carnal. So much of 1 Corinthians is what could be called remedial instruction. Here is the remedy from God about all your difficulty. Here's your problem as God has defined it, and here's the remedy. And here's part of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, endures all things. I remember exactly the day when the full impact and value of this passage came to me. We lived in Kansas for about nine years. I was preaching for a local church just outside of Wichita. And we had a man there for a gospel meeting who stayed in our home. His name was Yater Tant, the son of the legendary J.D. Tant, who, by the way, at one time did some preaching here in the valley, 30s and 40s, I think. So this was J.D. Tant's son, Yater Tant, who was very well known then. And Yader stayed with us during that meeting, and during the week, I asked him to meet with a married couple just about to fall apart. Having great difficulty. And he agreed and the married couple agreed. And they came to the house and I was present. And we sat around the kitchen table and they laid out all their conflicts and their resentments and their issues. And Brother Tant listened patiently, didn't say anything. And they finally shut up, and Brother Tant had them open to this passage, and he read it. He read it well. And then he said to the husband, now I want you to read it out loud, but where you see the word love, I want you to put your name in. Well, in a very halting, embarrassed, emotional reading, the husband got through it, and we were all silent for a few minutes. And then Brother Tandis turned and looked at the wife, and she knew what she was supposed to do, and she started reading this passage with her name, where the word love is, And the emotion of that moment. I still remember today. Changes were made in their relationship. See, it isn't just love in some sort of generic sweeping way. It is love as God specifically defines it. Which brings me to our third question about love. How is it expressed? I'm going to go back to... John's writings, this time in 1 John chapter 3. I mentioned earlier that John has a lot to say about love, but always with very good direction and context and specification. I want you to listen to this in 1 John 3, 17 and 18. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. 1 John 3, 17 and 18. John isn't concerned with something that is just said or claimed are spoken, but not lived. Remember what he said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. He said, if we say that we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. John doesn't let us get by with just verbal professions, <clears throat> just saying something. Making a claim that isn't expressed by conduct. So, here in chapter 3, 17 and 18, as it pertains to love as God defines it, it must find expression in our conduct. How can we claim that the love of God abides in us when we are not responsive to needs that we have the ability to meet? That ought to be met. Genuine needs. And we have the ability. It might be said like this. John is not demanding that the poor help the poor. Though in some ways they can and should. He is saying those who have resources. In fact he says the world's goods. And yet they do not respond to a legitimate need of a brother. How can they claim brotherly love. And that leads John to make the point that genuine love finds expression in behavior, in what we do. He does the same thing in the passage I brought up earlier in 1 John 5 2, love God and keep his commandments. This should lead us to well understand that you can certainly say you love God, sing about his love I can stand up here and preach about his love I can write about his love and all of that but that love isn't genuine unless it finds expression in our daily conduct I think all of this is an important reminder to every one of us that the biblical concept of love is clear and strong with specification. Who or what do I love? What definition of love do I hold to? Can I read 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 and stand in front of the mirror and put my name in there? And what does the love that I claim or how does the love that I claim find expression in my life day after day. These questions are good and they can help me and help you with specific self-examination. Let all that you do be done in love. Let's be standing as we sing.